Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here today with a fantastic guest in Elise Bowie. So Elise and I first met on a summit that Allison Williams is holding. I think it was March or April, but it's one of those situations where I've kept seeing her throughout the, the intervening months, and she always has some really interesting stuff to say. And I don't want to geek out too much because we're going to talk about it, but really interesting background that seems to have aged like wine with uh, everything that's going on in the world with COVID. So thanks for coming on the show, Elise. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you. Yeah, awesome. So one of the things that I, I, I had to stop us in the pre-call because it was really interesting, but you mentioned that you've hired 13 people since the pandemic started. <laughs> and, <I have>. uh, <laughs> to give a little background to you, you're running a fully remote firm as well, right? I am. We've always had a remote firm, though. We've been virtual since we started in February 2015. And so the pandemic from the virtual part was a non-issue for us. You know, we really didn't have to do a lot of pivoting. I mean, there's been changes in court rules that we've had to negotiate, but our virtual nature has the same. And at the beginning of the pandemic, so right around the time you and I did that webinar with Allison and Neil, I was kind of having that typical freak out. I think that a lot of law firm owners were having, oh my God, what is going to happen? How am I going to feed all these people? And how's this going to go down? And so, I mean, I had this very monumental week of whiteboarding all the possibilities of what this was going to look like. I mean, I created these big whiteboards and I would run, you know, how much money was in the trust account, what I thought would come in and ran all these different scenarios, actually 43 of them. And so by the end of scenario 43, I had gotten myself completely my head around the idea that no business could come in, like all the bad things were going to happen, but I was still going to be okay. Like I had sat down with my husband and figured out how can we not have any income for six months? How can we pull our kid out of private school so I can keep my intake person? Like, I mean, I had all the bases covered. I mean, we put our house on the market in Seattle, like the whole bit. I mean, I was like preparing for the worst, like a good lawyer does. And then I kind of had a revelation, like I finished my 43rd whiteboard. I took a picture because I took a picture of all of them so I could compare them later. And I said to myself, I was like, you know, am I allowed to curse on a podcast? I, I'll try not yeah, to. Yeah, go for it. It's fine. I was just like, fuck this virus. Like, I got this. And so <laughs> yeah. I decided at that moment, none of this bad stuff was going to happen. And so I, I wrote a letter to my team and like explained what I'd been doing because they probably thought I was a little MIA. And I was like, you know, I got you all. Like, we are going to be able to make it through this. And so I really committed to just, I mean, putting my nose down and working my tail off. And I started doing like all of our consults and everything. And I was really committed to this. And I mean, we have explosively grown. I mean, yeah. explosively. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, um, I actually didn't know how big the firm was before going into this. So, you know, 13 employees represents like what kind of a percentage increase in, in versus when you guys rolled into March? Uh, I think we had four of us in March. Or oh, my God. So that's like a 300 percent growth. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> that's pretty much what we've done. 
I mean, yes, like, yeah. And I also want to kind of tease this out to people who may not have been paying attention to this. The fact that you, I mean, this is kind of one of the things too, because like you see people who kind of get into this whole automated practice thing for, I don't want to say selfish, but more lifestyle oriented reasons. And oh yeah, maybe I can go out to fly out to Guam and sit mimosas or something like this. But the fact that you have the bandwidth to focus on 43 separate contingency planning is not only evidence of having all these systems and personal, uh, you know, uh, personnel systems set up uh, really well, but also what you should be doing with that time, right? Because you came up with a strategic plan that obviously seems to have played out in a decent fashion, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think doing those scenarios, well, for me, it was really helpful for me to be able to see what is the worst possible scenario, and then how could I tweak that worst possible scenario in such a way where it would be okay. And I mean, I'm one of these very touchy feely kind of woo woo employers. Like I was really looking at everybody and I'm like, okay, who has kids, you know, who is like broke and they need, you know, their job the most. And I was really trying to figure out like, if I started having to get people to do less hours, how would it be less disruptive to each person? So, I mean, it was pretty complex, you know, of what, I was going to do. And, and my team stepped up in an amazing way. Like, I mean, initially, cause you know, we have like this wellness initiative where I pay them every month to do some activity that they enjoy, whether it's like improv classes or water yoga or yeah. whatever. And so I was like, you know, there's certain things we're going to cut out during this pandemic. Cause at the time I thought it was going to be bad. And so I told them all we were going to cut that out. And I was trying to save money everywhere I could and cut down expenses. And then obviously, once I saw that we were doing fine, I mean, I gave them all that money back, just paid it in a lump sum over several months of I'm like, here's all your wellness money that you didn't get. They stepped up too, because they were willing to just be okay with that. And they knew we were all just kind of working and we didn't know how it was going to play out. And my team is amazing. And now it's even more amazing. We've gotten some of the most amazing paralegals and attorneys. And we, it's been, I mean, it's been really just so rewarding to watch my team grow during this time and to see them helping each other and supporting each other through this. I mean, we have an attorney who got injured recently, and that was a big shock. And she's been out now for like six weeks and is going to be out for a few more. Within an hour of me announcing that she got injured, people on my team were slacking me privately, just saying, whatever you need me to do, I will do. They're like, if you need me to move roles, if you need me to take on more cases, people were just like, what can I do to make this work? And I got you. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. And it seems like, you know, the culture has been working super well. And also the fact that 13 in a row with with presumably good hires in the, in the, in the recent time, obviously shows that you guys have a, a thesis for the uh, hiring these folks that's been working. So, I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about how you're finding such good people with such consistency? Well, one thing obviously is the pandemic. Yeah. And so some people have lost their jobs. You know, some firms have not done well. And I tend to be that person that is going to look to my network for hires. So every hire I've gotten, I have gone to people I know, usually kind of the same 30 or 40 people professionally that I know. And I'll say, okay, I need to hire an attorney. Who do you have? What do you think? Who might be out there? And I just get 
leads from people about this person or this paralegal used to be here and I know this attorney had been looking a few months ago and I have been able to get people that way. I did have one employment company keeps reaching out to me and so I did interview one person they sent me and I was like no way <laughs> and I thought I was like I got this I don't know about y'all but <laughs> I'm like I'll just stick with my my little folksy using my network plan. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's kind of interesting. It's like a lot of people are, are looking at the downsides of the pandemic, but obviously after this exercise that you've been through, you've been able to see some of the opportunities. And I'll actually draw a personal story here. So I'm actually really excited because we moved into a place. Well, those are just two things. Uh, basically, we ended up getting, I ended up picking up a grill. And so I've had a backyard for the first time ever. I've lived in New York for the last like five years. But I got this fantastic three-stage grill. It's got a gas, it's got the coal, it's got the smoker. And I got oh, this wow. thing for 150 bucks. But again, I'm not just talking about my grill here, but it's like kind of like the pandemic has had a lot of opportunities because if you think about every single time you see an unemployment headline, every single time you see a big thing shut down, there's real people attached to that. And it even seems like it's a big opportunity for people that have been able to capitalize on it to be able to take advantage of that and really get some, some good people. Not to say like at a discount, it's probably not a good part of that analogy, but just there's such an abundance of people that are out there right now. So also, I wanted to kind of talk about some of the other things that made that possible. So one of the things, and this seems like for the most part, when I'm talking to attorneys, it's either chicken little or, oh my God, I've been so busy. So in the frame of family law, obviously a very court-centric practice area. How has the pandemic kind of shaped out in terms of, I guess, you know, the demand for this the family law services in general for the firm and, and any any kind of changes that have happened to, to that since, since you got started? Well, I think we've noticed, I mean, there's a lot of demand for family law. I mean, initially when the pandemic started, it was parenting plan disputes. You know, do I send my kid over to my ex who's an emergency room doctor? No, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, you kind of got to do that. And so there was a lot of those types of disputes. For us, the thing I think we have noticed the most and have really been able to capitalize on is the fact that courts are while they're available, it's very different in their backlog and it's kind of a mess. So we can encourage our clients to actually use alternative dispute resolution to get to resolution. So we've been using mediation more like in temporary orders or any type of dispute we're having. I mean, it's like our first bet now is let's get in front of a mediator and let's see if we can resolve this. And so, I mean, to me, that's a huge win for families that they're now not in court getting these arbitrary rulings. They're actually being able to sit down and talk about what's necessary, what might be in their children's best interest. And the other thing for us that I kind of took on as my own little pet project, like I said at the beginning, I started doing all the consults with our firm. And so one of the things that I figured I could do just as an attorney and somebody in the community where people are suffering was I could just provide as many resources to people as possible. So when I'm doing consults, I have been providing people with names of professionals, names of doctors, psychologists, pediatricians, just really sharing my network in a way with the people that I'm talking to, books, classes, just all kinds of things. I mean, I was telling somebody on my team this morning, like, I'll do a consult and I'll get off the call and I'll realize, oh, I should have told that person about this resource. And then I'm like in my practice management software, looking up their emails so I can send them a note. And I, I tell them, oh, I forgot to tell you about this. I think it'd be super helpful. 
and I have gotten so much positive feedback from people, even people who haven't hired us, you know, maybe they don't have money to hire us, so they're not ready to take a step at that moment, but really acknowledging how much they appreciate all the resources they've been gotten and how it's been really helpful to them. And so that's something that's been really important to me is being able to help people because I think you nailed it when you talk about when people are losing jobs or we're seeing these unemployment. We see it a lot in our day-to-day practice. We get a lot of Boeing people. And I mean, Boeing is conceivably losing this one huge airplane project out here in the Seattle area. And it's we've had many clients who have been laid off from Boeing. And so it's a big deal. And I mean, everything is going to look different. I mean, if you're a mid six figure earner, and then all of a sudden you have no job, all kinds of things are going to change. And so the resources that we can give them and everything we can do to try to help them be able to tackle the problems that they're facing is really, it's been an important part of what we can do during this pandemic to try to give back in a small way, but a practical way. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into sort of the knowledge management system stuff in, in a little bit. But the first question I had was as far as kind of the mediation and the alternatives to like, you know, traditional family law, was this a big part of your practice leading into the pandemic? And it was kind of shine, you know, the, the world shine a light on it? Or did you guys end up developing this core competency in response to what was going on? I would say that it was definitely a part of our practice. We definitely as a firm have a mindset and just a a vision around let's do as much as we can outside of court. We love doing collaborative law cases. I have seen a decline though in collaborative law. I think part of that is the cost of collaborative law, whereas mediation tends to be, I think, a little more direct and people can get resolution quicker. And so in that regard, I would say we've been doing more and more. I don't think we've changed our competency level in that, but the one thing that has changed is there are more mediators in the area where we live who are willing to work with pro se parties, whereas historically a lot of mediators only want to work with people who are represented. And so a lot of times people are then having to hire us to go to mediation, whereas now I can talk to people on the phone and if I get a good feel that mediation is a good fit for them, I can refer them to a mediator that will work with them directly without me being involved. So being my bad capitalist that I am, I'm losing business in that regard, but I mean, I'm helping families be able to get to resolution more effectively and with less cost and quicker. And so, I mean, to me, that's a win-win-win because My goal is for children to not suffer through divorce. And I definitely have a very, very large bent on the best interest of the child and trying to educate parents around how can you divorce in a way where you can also honor the best interest of your children. Yeah, I can say, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that definitely comes across. And I would say, you know, with you specifically, but in general, it's just like when people really care about getting people to a solution, it makes when you recommend actually working with you come a lot stronger. If, if you're able to know with conviction that that's something you'd recommend the right person not to do. But also it's like, even if, uh, if, you're, if you're being like a completely cynical networker, you know, you're generating all kinds of relationships in the community. And like, if this is something with the, especially with the referrals and the outreach stuff and then and passing people along, this could be paying dividends for years to come. And it seems like it's already working out really well, but obviously this is part of the practice before, but you know, I can only imagine this would continue to snowball. 
So switching gears a little bit into kind of the process stuff. So you mentioned that this has kind of been your pet project. And I think in the way that you've talked about a lot of this stuff, I can tell that you have some really good systems for this stuff. So how do you go about kind of taking all this, this work that you're doing in the planning and the codification, getting it across the organization? I know kind of a big question. What do you think about that? Well, we use practice management software. We use Clio and we've been using Clio forever. And so we're kind of like diehard Clio users. But we had a situation in October of 2018 when we were much smaller. I mean, I think we had, there was four attorneys and we had an attorney go out on an emergency medical leave. And literally I was given like 15 minutes to get the lowdown from our, on all our cases. And then she was out. It was literally like, you know, my doctor is telling me this. And so I was actually in a mediation when she contacted me. I stepped out and tried to literally take furious notes about what was going on. And in the next two weeks, of course, as life would have it, I also then, I think exactly two days later, I was hospitalized on an emergency basis and told I needed an emergency gallbladder removal. And I was like, "Uh, no, I'm in the middle of a work crisis. And the doctor was like, Elise, you don't understand, like, this could be life-threatening. I was like, that's a little melodramatic. We're talking about a gallbladder. (laughs) Seriously, I'm like, it's a tiny little organ. We're good. It'll be fine. So I left against medical advice. I mean, my husband was not happy at me. Oh my God. <laughs> Nobody was happy at me. But I was literally in this work crisis where we did not utilize Clio properly. So at that moment, I hired Melanie Leonard of Streamline Legal, who I have come to just love and appreciate so much. And I just said to her, I was like, I need help. This can never happen again. I was like, this, uh, this is it. I mean, this girl's going to make this mistake one time and one time only. So we then started building out our Clio pretty extensively. And I created these draconian rules that I started monitoring every Saturday where every case had to have a forward focused task and every case had to have a note within the last two weeks. So it it ensured me that every case was viewed with every two weeks and that if anything ever happened to a team member, you could go in and do that next forward focused task, whatever it is. And at least you've bought yourself two weeks of time to figure out what's going on if there's more figuring you need. Well, and since that time, we've built it out even further. So just this July, I got a text from one of my attorneys like at nighttime saying, I just fell off a horse. I'm headed to the hospital. But she was like, oh, I'm sure I'll be fine. It's just a bruise. I'll be back tomorrow. And I was like, um, I, I didn't know. But then the next thing I learned, she's like shattered her hip socket. She's going to be in surgery all day. She's going to be out for months. It was a big, yeah. big injury. And so literally, I was able to, at that moment, go into my practice management. I took every task that was assigned to her and I assigned it to somebody else, it was maybe a 40-minute process, and that was the extent of the drama regarding her injury. And I mean, we have just gone from there, and there has been no bumps along the way. And I thought, wow, two years has made a huge difference in this. And that's been really helpful. I mean, it's made all the difference in the world to be able to handle that kind of emergency. Yeah. And like, talk about it before and after you can't get a better situation than that. But it's, it's, you know, sometimes, honestly, it's people, 
I feel like it's it's kind of in a similar situation with the pandemic as a whole. Like people have been like, oh yeah, you know, it would be really nice to uh, get my practice totally systemized. Oh, it'd be really nice to get virtual. But sometimes you can't really know not to touch the stove until you put your hand on a hot pan, right? <laughs> but the second time that problem came around, you're where you're totally all set. And aside from from being ready for these emergencies, which obviously I think more people should think about, it's probably a little bit harder to. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously some, some other benefits to, to being able to have all this as systematized as it is, right? I think this is something that I know from, from having listened to some other podcasts you've done, but you have a completely remote workforce. And I mean completely, right? Oh, completely. We do have an office in downtown Seattle, but we never go to it. Nobody has stepped foot into it since February. So we just, yeah, we're completely remote and we have been for years. And it's a, it's a pretty, I thought it was kind of a normal system until the pandemic occurred. And then I realized at that point, we kind of have a unicorn office. I have an IT person who sets up everything. I mean, we have this whole system of I hire somebody, I send out this pretty elaborate onboarding email that ties in all my team members, the admin person, the accountant, the COO, the IT person, the office manager. So everyone knows at the same time, this person's been hired. So then they all take their, their checklist and they go with it. And I literally come off of it. So I don't have any more involvement in the onboarding after that very first email until the first day they start. And then I'm usually the first person they talk to. And we do those by Zoom, obviously, now. And then we go from there. And in that interim time, all this activity has occurred where equipment is been sent to my IT guy. He puts all the software on. He then sends it to their home. He shares screens and gets everything set up for them. The admin person makes sure they have all the, whether whatever monitor setup they want or everybody wants it different. And so they get all their equipment, all their everything. And then like a gift goes out and health insurance forms go out. It's just an entire system. And we send them assessments like I always want to know what motivates everybody, whether you're a freedom person or a connectivity or appreciation. I like to know what everyone's kind of jam is to help the team work together. So like the, the lawyer on the team is kind of the manager of each team in our office. So they know like how can they best communicate with that person on their team and meet them where they need to be. Yeah. Well, I want to take a quick aside just to nerd out. What are some of your favorite tests or quizzes or diagnostics that uh, you work with your employees with? Well, we use Jay Henderson's The Real Talent. I think it's called Real Talent Assessment. Um, I love that one. We also all do the Colby test in our office. So I like to know kind of where they land there. We also have our Clifton Strengths Strength Finder. So we have a big chart so we can see where everybody is. And I have a really interesting office. A lot of intellectuals and a lot of people who are executing. Like they're both on, what else do we use? And then we use this other one. It's called the Motivational Assessment. I don't know if it has a specific name. And then we actually just signed up. We're going to do a rapport building session with a coach that I have worked with on her team and we're going to all do the CBI. And so, and then we're going to do a rapport building. I'm definitely one of those woo-woo kind of bosses. You know, I like all that. I like to see how we all work together. And I like to make sure I have people in the right seats where they're compatible and that they help each other be their best selves rather than kind of fighting against each other or incompatibility. 
Yeah, and I have to say, of the we actually recently at Case School ended up going through a lot of the stuff for the COVID exam. I love that stuff, and we've had a couple situations where people the role that we hired them for wasn't the one that ended up thriving in. And in retrospect, a lot of the stuff ended up like making sense in the background. But it's it's always good to like go that. But um, I wanted to kind of follow in when you're mentioning building rapport because that's one of the things that I, I've heard as an objection to why people don't want to have in the office. It's like, well, hey, you know, we're gonna miss out on the water cooler talk or people aren't going to collaborate as much. And I know you mentioned Slack earlier. What are you doing to help facilitate getting you know more of a collegial environment within the employees and that kind of stuff? I would say Slack, definitely. We are huge Slack users and we have different channels. Like there's the paralegal channel where just the paralegals are on there asking each other questions or getting advice. We have just the lawyer channel. But then we also have all channels, like where we have a random channel where it's like our our funny memes or our pet pictures or whatever. We have a bazillion different channels for different things and we are very active in Slack. Even though sometimes it's work-related. Like I have to tell you, the other day, one of these things, like I was supposed to be on a quote-unquote vacation. Our family, we had just bought a boat and I was out like learning to drive the boat. So I'm technically on a vacation. Of course, that's the time that we're going to have like an emergency client matter where police are involved, we're trying to serve somebody in another state, we're doing restraining orders. I mean, you know, it's like crazy and it all needs to happen in about an hour. Literally the Slack channel was, if I could just capture that, I like wanted to show everybody in the world that this is how a good team works. People were just like, what do you all need? But the legal team that was trying to make this happen, they needed help. Every paralegal was like, what can I do to help? And people were like, okay, I'll do the service in California. I'll do this. I got this. I got this. Watching this team come together and make this happen where the whole filing occurred with like seven minutes to spare. And I was just sat there just really with tears in my eyes because I'm like, this is exactly how you want things to be. And I think of our client being able to call us up the night before and say, I need to do this very emergent thing. And we've got till 11 o'clock tomorrow. And for us to be able to be like, yeah, no problem. We got you. And that's huge. Yeah. And I want to dig in a little bit more as far as like, so you know, Slack is a technical solution, but it just seems like every single time we have one of these stories is people know the right thing to do and how, you know, how it's to be expected. They're jumping in to help. So as far as like building the, the expectations in the system, how are you inculcating these, these views into people? And, uh, and do you have any sort of recommendations that do you, do you have people read certain books or do you guys have an internal process or like, how do you keep this culture so strong? Well, we've been working really intentionally on culture. Like we do our team meetings, you know, we have these team stand-up meetings on Wednesdays and then we do longer meetings, either monthly or quarterly, depending on what's going on. And culture has been an important thing for us. You know, we talk about it, we encourage it. I mean, I've hired professional coaches to come in. If I've had situations where sometimes people will have like a conflict that maybe like the paralegal level and instead of working it out there, somebody might come to me directly and I'm going to be, I'm going to bring that right back to them. And I'm going to say like, no, you don't bring me into this. You know, you all need to work this out at this level. And then, you know, if there's a problem and you need a third party to help facilitate any communication, yeah, then I can come in. But I mean, I think hiring coaches has been really helpful in that regard because 
I like to think I know how to communicate well, but at the same time, I'm mindful that that's not my expertise. Mm. And so I think utilizing other people's expertise in that area. And I mean, I am definitely the goofy employer. Usually on Sunday night or Monday morning early, there'll be something that's kind of on my heart that I want to tell our team. So usually Monday, you know, they start out with like a big email from me about something that I've been thinking about. And usually I'll send them something like that helps us remember it. You know, whether it's like a journal, we're going to practice gratitude. I recently sent them that. And then I've been thinking about balance lately. And so I'm actually in the process of preparing a Peloton giveaway, a quarterly giveaway to my team where people could get a Peloton, either the bike or the treadmill to try to help them have balance and be able to to go out and do some exercise and do something that they like. Because it gets kind of rainy here in the Northwest in the fall. And I think it'd be good for them to have something where they could have indoor and be able to do it. And so we're working on that. And I do tend to be, I love gifts. And so I tend to be like a gift giver. So when I see an attorney that's really been working hard, I'll figure out what what can I do for that attorney that will be meaningful to them. Like if they've been really putting in a lot of hours, I sent out gift certificates the other day for two attorneys to these really nice hotels. I'm like, go take three days, you know, go enjoy yourself and And people get flowers when good things happen or, you know, just silly things. I sent a funny plaque to one of my attorneys recently. It was like super lawyer time. And she's like, well, I didn't get to be a super lawyer. And I mean, so she is hilarious. And she had this funny saying. So I had this plaque made up for her and had it sent to her. Just trying to be mindful of what everybody needs and acknowledging their contributions. And I think if I am modeling that, then they also do that. They come to cheer each other on. We had an attorney with a major victory recently. On a Saturday, I put something in Slack because the client actually reached out. So I wanted her to know immediately what this client said and how happy this client was. Our entire team responded on a Saturday to congratulate her. And I just thought that's so cool too, just to have that kind of caring attitude. Yeah. I mean, I think we're very blessed. I think we have an amazing team with just phenomenal care for each other, really having each other's backs, which is not always the case in law firms. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it sounds like they're going to bat for, for you because you're going to bat for them. And it's like, really, that's, it's kind of this, this sort of model of servant leadership, which is, is really rare to find in the world in general, I have to say. But no, it's also the thing too. It's like people do model what the leader is thinking, what they're focusing on and that kind of stuff. And um, just kind of to that end, it's like, obviously this isn't a, a Rome wasn't built in a day, but as far as somebody who might be resonating with what you're saying right now, like what have been kind of the most important books, podcasts, movies, resources that have kind of led you to this mindset that you're, you're, you're using today? Wow. <laughs> That's a huge question. Sorry. I love to read everything. Gosh, what would I say? I mean, there's so many different things. One of the books that I love a lot, but I mean, this is, is Radical Candor. I definitely have this mindset of let's all just say what we need to say, you know, and be respectful, but not have any of the divisiveness or, you know, what I consider like catty girl middle school behavior. Let's just get out there and say what we have to say. Ray Dalio resonates with me a lot because he's a tough, a tough boss, I think, in many ways. 
But at the same time, he's open to being called out himself. And he puts himself out there and that he encourages his team to push back on him, to come up with ideas, to offer solutions. And that is something that's very important to me. I don't like to think of myself in a role. Sometimes people describe leadership like as a pyramid kind of thing. I don't think of it like that. I very much think of us as a team and we all have different roles on our team. And it's interesting, something you said, and this is, this is the thing that I think and I feel very strongly is the more I can pour into my team, the more they pour into our clients. And so if I can just really pour my heart and soul into our team, then they feel that, they feel taken care of, they feel full, they then are able to offer that exact same thing to our clients, which in my mind is the ultimate goal that we are providing a service for our clients where they feel appreciated, they can feel full, and they can then start making better decisions during a time that is so conflictual and so heartbreaking. And so that is how I feel like I can really help my team And that's what I try to do is really be there for them. And I provide them books all the time around things. Like if I think maybe an attorney is struggling with delegation, I'm going to send them a book. Or if I think an attorney kind of gets defensive about something, I send them the four agreements. That's one of my favorite books. Just different things. I mean, I'm always, I'm always sending them things about random coaching things. Maybe secretly I want to be a life coach, but I don't know. You can be a life coach class CEO, but it's it's almost like you're sort of a life coach to the team, right? Like, you know, you can pursue your uh, your goals and then maybe in a less direct way. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, but ultimately it's like, you know, it's it's also so rare these days too, because it's just like everyone's worked a couple bad jobs and there's nothing more soul crushing than coming in and taking orders from somebody who you genuinely hate. It's been a while, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I was you know, younger, I've, I've had a couple of roles like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of tough too because it's like, well, I think ultimately what, what it kind of co- keeps coming back to for me is just it's consideration. And you're really considering people at a very, very deep level. And that's not something you can fake, that you can't have this cargo cult approach to like, oh, how are we going to make a good culture? And it's like, you know, here's my five-step checklist to appear that it, like I care about what's happening. It's like, it really comes across as extremely genuine and you could get genuine good results <laughs> after that being the approach. One kind of last parting shot. If you had to start it all over again, what would be you know, one of the things you'd recommend to somebody who wants to have an outcome like you have that might be three years earlier on the path? Be willing to let go of team members who are bad fits, who don't bring that same level of positivity or the right kind of culture. I mean, I've held on to employees in the past that kind of brought toxicity into a situation, but, and I would, I'm always that person who's like, okay, well, what did I do to cause this? You know, maybe I said something wrong, or maybe I modeled something in a way that, and so I would spend all this time thinking about what I did And obviously, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about that. Clearly, you should, I think, put a mirror up to yourself when things are kind of going wrong and and try to figure out what part you are playing in it. But I do think there are times where maybe you're playing a part, but maybe there is actually a problem. Either the employee's got personality issues or some kind of real issue. 
and letting go of that quicker because it does, I think, bring negativity into your office. But I mean, more importantly than that, the energy that I would expend dealing with that was so misplaced. I then, and I've, I've come to understand it so fully now, it didn't allow me to maximize my office in such a way that then benefited all the other employees. I was so focused on whatever that problem employee was and that that was taking away from everybody else. And now when I have had to let go of somebody, the amount of growth that occurs and the freedom, and it's pretty compelling. It's one of those things that if you can just get through that painful scenario of letting go of somebody that maybe wasn't a, the right person in the right seat, or maybe it was actually the wrong person, like that you can't find a seat for, being able to be strong enough to let that person go and then just watch your team soar after that. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because we talked about a lot of positive stuff, but you know, as a caring person, that's probably one of the hardest things you have to do because you oh. want to make it work for everybody. Sometimes it's like when you realize you've been driving with the parking brake on. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, cool. <laughs> let's, let's, let's really get this going. <laughs> All right. Awesome, Lisa. So it's been it's been a really great conversation. I know you got a couple things going out. So if you guys want to hear more from Lisa, what you got coming up? Well, one thing is I am doing speaking at the Lawyer Mom Summit that's put on by Carolyn Elephant, who most people know her. She wrote the book Solo by Choice, and she has the blog um, My Shingle. Well, she is putting on the Lawyer Mom Summit. She's hoping for like a thousand lawyer mom law firm owners, and that's on. September 30th and October 1st. And it's literally, I want to say it's a $39 registration. It's like the first year of the summit. And I guess as a mom, which we didn't even talk about, I mean, I am a mom of a blended family of six children. So being a mom and being a law firm owner at the same time have been a huge part of what I've done and why I've done what I've done. And so I am just I could not be more thrilled to be a part of this. And I'm so excited that Carolyn is doing this. And I think it is going to be huge and especially moving forward. I mean, I think we are seeing even more where women are having to navigate now remote schooling, running a law firm, running their family. Women are stepping up in ways that I'm awe inspired by so many people and what they're pulling off now. It's just stunning to me. And then I'm also doing a presentation at the Associate Academy, which is put on by the Maximum Lawyer Group. They have started an Associate Academy, so for younger lawyers, and I'm doing an entire session on managing associates virtually. So, and that is obviously one of the things I love. Yeah, so both of those I think would be great. And of course, I think everybody should always go to Clio, puts on an amazing conference, and now they're doing it virtually as well this year. And so I'm super excited for that because everybody should have an amazing practice management software so you can be prepared when somebody falls off a horse. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it's, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, I, mean, I was like, how are they doing that this year? But, you know, virtual, that makes sense. And I'm good, actually. Yeah. We uh, had, uh, you know, we're going to get a quick shout out to Moshe himself for maybe pioneering that in the legal space. Yeah, that was another decision that turned out like it aged super well. Elise, thank you so much for this conversation. And I wish we had another hour to go. Maybe we'll have you back on before long. <laughs> But it's been an absolute slice. And anyone who's interested, absolutely check that out. She's like this all the time. <laughs> so, thank you so like, much. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and a good weekend. Okay, same. Absolutely for you. Maybe cool down on the uh, the Saturday message. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.